Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. To an all-new season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. This season, we dive into the most horrific unsolved murders in history. From the Black Dahlia murder to the unsolved murder of the Lady of the Dunes. Join us every Tuesday on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. I am your host, Larry Lees. Today we're diving into the unsolved Gardner Museum heist, one of history's most infamous museum heists. But first we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, by who sponsored this episode. Visit Pondex.com and use promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. Now let's get into the case. Built in 1901, the Gardner House Museum houses over 15,000 pieces of art collected by the late Isabella Stewart Gardner. On March 18, 1890, the museum fell victim to a historic heist. Though only 13 pieces of art were stolen, the combined value is worth over $500 million. Ironically, at the time of the robbery, the museum was in the midst of updating their outdated security. On the night of the heist, two inexperienced guardsmen were on duty. One security guard named Richard E. Abath, probably saying his name wrong, was a music school dropout and part of a rock band. He was a rock band, a rock performer by day, security guard at the museum by night. By his own admission, he would often show up for work drunk or stoned after a performance. Quote, I'd be just getting off of the stage somewhere. I just wanted to slow down before I went over to the most boring job in the world. Though he insists he was sober the night of the robbery, around 12.54 a.m., a half hour before the thieves had successfully entered the building, a fire alarm went off on the third floor of the museum. When it was investigated, there was no fire. Whether this was part of the thieves' scheme is unknown.
1.24 a.m., two men dressed as policemen buzzed in the security desk. Whereabath was stationed. The men stated that they were responding to a disturbance call and demanded entry. There were St. Patrick Day parties happening in the neighborhood, so a disturbance call made sense to the security guard. He also added that he wanted to avoid getting arrested because he had tickets to a Grateful Dead concert later that day. He then buzzed the two policemen through the employee entrance, violating museum protocol. Then one of the men said to a bath, You look familiar. I think we have a default warrant out on you. Come out here and show us some identification. They tricked him to leave his control desk, which has the only button that would immediately alert the police. He was then instructed to face wall and stand spread eagle. He recalls that as he was being handcuffed, he found it odd that he was not frisked beforehand and it dawned on him that this could be a robbery. At this time, the second guard arrived and was also arrested. The second guard asked why he was being arrested, and the man replied, You're not being arrested. This is a robbery. Don't give us any problems, and you won't get hurt. The guard responded, Don't worry. They don't pay me enough to get hurt. The heads, hands, and feet of the guards were tied with duct tape. Motion detectors in the museum showed that the robbers then went to the second floor and split up, removing various pieces of art from the walls. During the heist, an alarm went off. It was meant to alert the guard that someone had gotten too close to the artwork. <clears throat> the robbers found the alarm and smashed it. At 2.28 a.m., the robbers returned to the security counter. They made a second check on the guards in the basement. They then removed tapes that captured the movement outside the side door and in other places in the museum. After 13 minutes... They readied for their leave, taking the art to their vehicle on two separate trips. There were witnesses who recalled seeing the thieves near the museum, sitting in a red hatchback. Of the 13 items taken, noteworthy pieces include three Rembrandts, and bizarrely, a gilded eagle from a Napoleonic banner outside the tapestry room. They tried taking a fourth Rembrandt, but it was apparently too hard to remove. Skipping to about four hours later, sometimes between 6.45 at 8.16 a.m., the two morning shift guards showed up to work. <coughs> Unable to enter the museum, prompting the deputy security director to call the police. At 8.30 a.m., the police showed up and discovered the two nightly, night security guards handcuffed in the basement. Despite wearing gloves, which prevented leaving fingerprints, the thieves didn't cover their faces, which let the guards get a good look at them. However, the security guard of Bath not really reliable, could not recall what the men looked like when asked by the Boston police. He recalls that the police sketch was awful, though in 2005 he mentioned one of them looked like Colonel Clink on Hogan's Heroes. Some wonder why the thieves left behind pieces that were clearly worth more, like a Michelangelo and a Titan, and why did they spend so much time trying to take such an obscure object as the eagle? One interesting development occurred in April 1994, when the museum received an anonymous letter claiming to know the location of the art. The author seemed to have great knowledge of the pieces stolen and the art world in general. The anonymous writer stated that the pieces were safe in a controlled environment, but the museum had to act quickly because a buyer in another country who was unaware that the pieces were stolen could purchase them and claim legal ownership. The writer asked for $2.6 million for facilitating the return of the artwork. The museum agreed. He then received a second letter. The author was pleased they were interested in negotiating, 
but was discouraged by the local law, state, and federal authorities intervening. The writer openly wondered if they were trying to arrest the middleman on top of recovering the art. They wrote in all caps, quote, You cannot have both. The tipper also added that even if they see no way of following through with the negotiations, they would give some clues to the whereabouts of the art. They've never heard from the author since. And now let's dive into our three theories of what could have happened. Also who the suspects are. Theory number one, a thief named Brian McDevitt was responsible for the crime. McDevitt had committed a similar art robbery in the 80s when he hijacked a FedEx truck and dozed the driver with ether. Wearing the uniform and carrying duct tape, he planned to find museum employees at the Hyde Collection in Glens Glens Falls, New York, and cut paintings from their frames. Hilariously, he and his accomplices got stuck in traffic and arrived after the museum closed, thus foiling their plans. He served a few months in jail for attempted robbery. He also lived about a 10-minute drive away from the Gardner Museum at the time of the heist. He was questioned by the FBI in 92 and later in front of a grand jury. His his lawyer told the Boston Globe that his client knew nothing about the crime. Theory number two, and one I strongly believe, the heist was an inside job. This would explain how the thieves knew where the only alarm button was located and also their knowledge that the artwork did not have anti-theft devices. The FBI claimed that security guard Richard E. Abath had not been ruled out as a suspect. That suspicion goes beyond him being poor in his job. As mentioned before, he notably could not recall the faces of the robbers shortly after the heist. Also, despite the thieves' failure to destroy motion sensor equipment, the motion sensors oddly didn't record the thieves on the first floor where a piece of art was stolen, but that same equipment picked up a boss around in that room before the thieves arrived. He also broke security protocol by granting the disguised policeman entry. Museum policy prohibits letting an unauthorized personnel, even police, from entering the museum. He also states he was unaware of this policy, yet this wasn't the first time he had broken protocol. At one of the museum's New Year's Eve parties, he snuck in some friends, which, to be fair, Seems rather innocuous, but that doesn't apply to his third break of protocol. A video released two years ago shows Abath letting in an unauthorized visitor that night before the heist. Law enforcement believes this person may have been scanning the area for a dry run. The security guard says he does not remember the visitor, despite being caught on tape. Nonetheless, in 2015, he stated in an interview that he's still angry about that night. And number three, the third theory comes from Dutch private investigator Arthur Brand, who is an expert in international art crimes. In his impressive endeavors to recover stolen art, Brand has posed as a Texas oil millionaire, a representative for sheiks and princes, as well as a general criminal. In one instance, he negotiated with criminal gangs to recover $25 million in artwork. In 1991, about a year after the heist, Brand acquired images of the stolen artwork <coughs> in storage somewhere in Holland. In 2010, Brand heard that the pieces were in possession of a member of the IRA. After working on the case with the FBI for nearly 12 years, he theorizes that the pieces were originally stolen by small-time thieves who sold the pieces to U.S. gang members 
within possibly in the mid-90s, shipped the pieces off to Ireland to some top-ranking Irish Republican Army commanders. He estimates that he can get the pieces back in a matter of months. He will not give details as to why, but believes that the investigation and leads are making the haystack smaller. And that is all we have for this episode of True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let us know your thoughts on this heist. Who do you think is responsible? Do you think we'll ever get the artwork back? Let us know in the comments section below. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash true crime never sleeps slash message. Tune in next week for an all new episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.